0: What a week it's been, isn't it? Uh, weeks like this last impact our families, our lives, our relationships, and our communities forever. Some of us older folks remember exactly where we were when JFK was assassinated 50 years ago this past Friday, the 22nd of November. Uh, nearly all of us remember where we were when we first heard that the Twin Towers went down on 9-11-01. And all of us will remember this last week for the rest of our lives. In fact, many of us in central Illinois will will define life as before and after the tornado. And while not as world-changing as JFK's death or as 9-11, certainly in many ways, our worlds here in central Illinois will never go back to normal. It was wild, though, wasn't it? I mean, last Sunday morning, you know, it was. It started so beautifully, about 60 degrees, sun was shining, I texted my daughter to say, enjoy the beautiful sunny day, um, didn't need a jacket that morning as we made our way to church. And then several uh, of you before the service, I think it was Chad and Denny, warned me of the uh, severe weather warning that was out there. And you kind of think, you yeah, know, okay, you know, we get those pretty regularly here and Yeah, in Illinois. Um, I even then joked about it during the announcements. Danny had committed to keep his phone, you know, on vibrate. And so I had said, you know, if he starts jerking up and down, it's not because he's having a heart attack, you know, just relax and it'll be the signal. Uh, just before the service started, I connected with Jeff, our worship leader that morning. And I said, Hey, you know, we, we probably better discuss our emergency preparedness plan since we had one so well-developed, you know, before that day, <laughs> uh, in the event that the weather sirens uh, would sound. So we discussed what we would do. That little, did you know, that that's what we had done just that morning before the service. Well, we made it through the sermon, uh, the offering, thank God. And then, uh, no, I'm <laughs> just Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I couldn't resist, yeah. And we were on the chorus to the first song when Denny approached me to say that the sirens were sounding. And then Jeff calmly dismissed everyone to the multi-purpose room. Uh, Lori leading the way as if it was all scripted. Uh, and then we worshiped together with a final song. Steve led out in prayer. And then we quickly dismissed to get people home. These are a couple of photos from uh, the sense of community in that room, which was actually quite powerful as we were oblivious to the real danger we were in at that moment. Over the afternoon, many of us were shocked as we surveyed the damage from the EF4 tornado that went through East Peoria in Washington and then moved uh, through the, the central Illinois. It started two and a half miles south of East Peoria, as we all know now, stayed on the ground for an unprecedented 46.2 miles. Um, the half-mile-wide twister struck East Peoria, Sunnyland, Washington, moved into Woodford County west of Roanoke towards Mononk before dissipating a couple of miles uh, east of Long Point in Livingston County. And the tornado that struck Pekin started in southern Peoria County and jumped across the Illinois River into the north end of Pekin, and though not as severe, still managed uh, to carry a 100-yard wide swath, traveling at approximately 60 miles an hour. And we couldn't believe, really, could we, as you uh saw on Facebook and looked at the internet, you think, man, this kind of stuff happens in Kansas or Missouri, but not Illinois. And then over the next day we learned that many of us had extended family or friends or coworkers or neighbors uh, or classmates that lost everything they own in the tornado. Over 500 homes in Washington completely destroyed, 100 in Pekin, and over 400 severely damaged. In our church family, no one directly that I know of suffered uh, catastrophic loss, but uh, Bethany Gooden's aunt and uncle, house was destroyed, Pat Trost's brother in Washington, Mike and Wendy Wesley's neighbor, um, Joy Hensold had three friends from Peoria Christian School, and the the list could go on. Uh, nearly every one of us was touched in some fashion. On Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, I received calls and text and email from all over the country inquiring about our health and safety and welfare and our church, as well as offers of uh, people wanting to come and help um, and connections from different organizations around the country. Um and I know that even in the early parts of the week, many of you were already responding. You were helping and donating and volunteering and praying. I know First United Methodist in East Peoria, where Sharon actually serves as the secretary, was uh, one of the Red Cross uh, stations, uh, Sharon. And so her life uh, was inundated, as were their, their church family. Um, Deidre Buckingham's Facebook page was probably the most helpful of anybody's. Um, in terms of providing the most current up-to-date information. And I know many, many of you were involved uh, up through yesterday in community cleanup efforts. I was privileged to to go with a group from our church family with Samaritan's Purse into uh, the devastation in Washington. And uh, while I had seen pictures all week long, nothing prepared me for the uh Experience of the scope and the scale of the devastation. It's just, it was overwhelming. As we drove into the neighborhood, I began to cry. Just, it's, it's overwhelming, uh, the, the carnage and the, and the devastation from that incredibly brutal storm. But I want to commend you in any ways that any of you have been serving and reaching out and giving and touching your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, classmates, whether you're giving or whether you're praying or whether you're serving. I just want to commend you and say thank you. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, we have a long, long way to go. So let's pray together before we look to God's word this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your mercy. We thank you that in the midst of devastation and chaos, that so few actually lost their lives, that you, you were protecting so many from what could have been so much worse. Thank you. Now we pray, God, that you would just pour out your love, pour out your love, pour out your hopefulness, even today as churches and, and groups gather all through Central Illinois. Lord, would you fill those congregations as we worship uh, and, and empower your church to be your vessels that communicate your love and your hope to our community? Lord, we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We welcome you here, right next door in Vineyard Kids. Lord, uh, put power on your word to our lives where you know we need it in your name. Amen. I had originally planned to just to share a Thanksgiving message, and we'll still get there, although the route has been detoured significantly by the events of the last week. But I'd like to encourage us this morning by looking at at a few ways that these kinds of weeks impact our lives. First, they refocus our perspective on what's important. You know, all week long as we watched Facebook and YouTube clips of survivors telling their stories, we were amazed, weren't we? But almost universally, they would say something like this clip I'm going to show you. Now, this, this gentleman is named Steve Booker. He's actually a a first cousin of very good friends of ours who live in in Urbana. And uh, Steve and his wife, um, we know personally. And this was one of the first clips that got reported. No doubt you've seen it maybe on CNN and otherwise. But let's uh, take a look, listen to what Steve has to say. Almost without exception, people, when they were interviewed as survivors, made comments comparable to what Steve shared. On one hand, uh, it is important to remember that Houses aren't just brick and mortar. You know, they represent lives and families and treasured memories and hopes for the future. They're the center of warmth of of people's lives. But they can and they will be rebuilt. On the other hand, people and relationships and our relationships with them are not replaceable. And so these weeks serve to recalibrate our priority of what's really important, don't they? We refocus on loving God and loving people and our relationships and being grateful for them, for our loved ones, our friends, and our family. These weeks have a way of causing our desire for material things and our drivenness for bigger and better and more stuff to diminish. And we're grateful for what God has already provided. We're grateful for loved ones and friends, for the necessities of our needs for food and, and clothing and protection and health to be taken care of. We're reminded powerfully of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 6, where we would read, We brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. Very often, these weeks show us how that between our entering this world and leaving this world, we spend too much time on acquiring stuff. And these weeks serve to reorient our perspective on loving and thanking. Now, it's unfortunate, isn't it, that sometimes it takes a tragedy for this refocusing to happen? Why is that? I don't know. Human nature, I guess. Uh, we're just easily distracted from what's central and important to the otherwise urgent or fun or convenient or easy or necessary. But honestly, frankly, very few of us are by nature truly thankful people. We're just not. Uh, thankfulness is like a new language that we have to learn as adults. And learning new languages as an adult is much harder than when we're young. It's a new language we have to learn as followers of Jesus. And hopefully, uh, these weeks will help us all to become more thankful people. We will lean into what the apostle encourages us in 1 Thessalonians 5 with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. How John Wesley actually defined true, mature Christianity. Always be joyful, never stop praying, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. But thankfulness, we see, is to adorn our life, not just one day, you know, a year on Thanksgiving holiday or on the week following a natural disaster, but it's to be woven into the fabric of our everyday ordinary getting up and going to school and work life. Another translation of that text would read, always be thankful and in everything give thanks. Now, sadly, some actually misunderstand a similar encouragement from the apostle in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 20, where we read, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as an instruction to give God thanks for everything, including tornadoes. But I just want to say just a few words about interpreting the Bible, Bible, of which I'm, I'm not an expert, but I have learned a few things in the last, you know, 35 years as a Christ follower. First, never lift a passage out of its context. In Ephesians, Paul is talking about living life under the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the context, you can see clearly he's talking about giving thanks to God for everything in our lives that pertains to God, not for good and evil. And secondly, the second point I would like to encourage you with is this. No one verse in the Bible can ever mean something that the remainder of the entire Bible contradicts. The entire body of Scripture shows that God does not send tornadoes to kill and destroy. Natural disasters are not acts of God. They are works of the real, though unseen, enemy, the devil. There are two kingdoms in conflict here on the earth today. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of the devil, or the kingdom of darkness. And they're at war until Jesus comes again, when his kingdom will finally be supreme over all. And when we look at Jesus, we see the exact representation of God the Father as if he were on the earth. And when we see Jesus, we see that he went around doing good, and extending God's kingdom of goodness, and love, and mercy, and power, and forgiveness, and restoration, and healing. He invaded this present earthly kingdom, what the Bible calls the present evil age. Jesus invaded the territory that's now occupied by the devil and ruled by Satan, bringing God's kingdom forcefully into it. And so Jesus is the lens through which all of our theology must pass. What he did, what he taught. And it was on one occasion when Jesus was asleep in the boat after an exhausting day of ministry, in the middle of the night, a violent storm arose, threatening to capsize the boat which contained Jesus and the twelve apostles. And they awoke Jesus, and he rebuked the storm. Now, if God sent the storm, as some today conjecture, then Jesus, God's Son, would have been working at cross purposes with the will of his Father. And so the storm came from the enemy. Jesus also taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, deliver us from the evil one. And so there should be on our hearts and minds and lives, uh, an expression of prayer for God's kingdom to come, and part of the kingdom coming is to be delivered from the evil one, or the devil. The devil was actually trying to take Jesus and the apostles out, which is why he could rebuke the, the, the storm. So violent storms, tornadoes, tsunamis, hurricanes, is simply weather run amok in a world a creation that's cursed by sin. God didn't intend for weather systems to operate this way, and in the eternal state, you'll see none of that kind of weather. The devil has twisted and perverted what God originally created, beautiful and perfect. It's the result of sin. And even now, the Apostle Paul says, the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, creation is groaning to be liberated from the curse that's in the world. And we can imagine that after weeks like this, central Illinois, is it, the ground itself is yearning to be liberated from the kingdom of darkness. Now, it's it's important to mention as a postscript to this point that God can and will use every trial that we go through to cause our faith or our trust in him to grow. And God will use the events of the last week as He already has and the weeks and months to come to work for His eternal purposes. He'll be drawing people back to Himself or back to His church. He'll, he'll encourage people to, to have a bigger shrug factor, to love and extend grace and forgiveness to one another in ways that maybe before the week they weren't wired. He'll, he'll enable us to forgive petty offenses or maybe to restore broken relationships. Uh, the importance of which has grown in the, in the shadow of the last week. He'll cause our communities to grow together for people who might not otherwise have been kind neighbors to, to let the fences down and for us to be reunited. In a larger sense, God will use the trials that we go through to cause us to grow towards Christ-likeness, becoming more and more like Jesus in what we do, what we say, and how we act. When Tina and I look over our shoulders at at the seasons in our life when we've grown the most, it's when we've gone through the most difficult times. When she was diagnosed with cancer in December of 2006, we did not like one bit what we were going through. Perhaps the hardest uh, year of our, our marriage. And we would never, ever want to repeat that opportunity, that experience again. But we are now humbled and grateful for the people that we've become as a result of that trial of our faith. Many of your stories would would probably echo the same sentiment. It's not you would ever want to go through those things again, but on the other side of them, you've become humbled and grateful for the people that God has made you to be. Because your faith only grows through testing. I like how the apostle uh, James writes about it in James 1. Here's what we read. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And so when we go through difficulty, we're to consider it an opportunity for joy and thankfulness, a time of refocusing our priorities on what is truly eternal. The second way uh, that I'd like to encourage us to, to think of how these weeks impact our lives is they sensitize us to the needs of others. We know when tragedy strikes, we want to respond and help, don't we? Uh, especially if we're not struggling too much with survivor guilt of why did we make it out and the people we know and love didn't in terms of the the tragedy. But it's interesting. When when catastrophe strikes around the world, without exception, who are among the first of the first responders? It is the church of Jesus Christ in all of its forms, across all denominations. It's people who are filled with the Holy Spirit the compassion of Christ around the globe that are the first to respond. And even those who are not overtly followers of Christ, they're acting in a way consistent with the light that is in them. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the one who gives light to everyone. And so when people who don't even know Jesus are responding out of care and compassion, it's because of the love for people that God has already put in them because they're created in his image. And because we're created in the image of God, we have compassion for hurting people, especially when they're in our communities. And friends, over the next uh, weeks and months ahead, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for for us as the first response relief gives way to the long-term work of recovery. It is phenomenal how... When, when we were standing in, among the debris field yesterday to see the, the the amount of work that is going to need to be done to restore some sense of normalcy to our community. And I just want to bless and dispatch all of you to reach out and serve in, in the ways that God leads you, the connections you have, the relational connections through your work or through your neighborhood or through your school uh, or or through your family. We will certainly organize some church-wide efforts, but it is difficult because of the complexities of our schedule. We'll post those on our Facebook page and on our community known as The City. But don't wait for the church to organize something. You are the church. And so when you do it, the church does it. But beyond the tragedy of the chaos of the tornado, these weeks serve to sensitize us to the fact that we are surrounded every day in many ways by people who are hurting. It's just that we cannot see their pain or their brokenness or their hurt or their need. It's almost as if the neighborhoods filled with debris are a visible metaphor for the chaos and brokenness of lives and families all around us, of people who need Jesus. It's just that we don't see hurting people behind their veneers of pleasantness. We don't listen long enough to really hear them or to win their confidence where they'll disclose or we don't invest the time to actually connect and hear their life story so i'm just encouraging us all to slow down and listen and ask god for eyes to see and ears to hear the hurting people that are around us every day where we work live play and learn and these weeks serve to remind us in part that god created all of us as his people to live outward focused lives to be concerned about those around us it, not just to be preoccupied with our own uh family and life and work and schedule which is necessary to sustain life and move forward but but in a broader way to be his hands and his feet and his eyes and his ears and his heart towards people following where he might lead you into your three neighborhoods where you live where you where you work and where you do life and we don't have to wait for another tornado to extend god's kingdom uh In this sense, the church's mission is still the same, to help people follow Jesus and find the real life that he's got. And then lastly, a a third way that these weeks impact us is that they propel our lives forward with a renewed but humbled faith in action. And this faith in action is expressed three ways. I'm going to give you three ways that this faith is expressed. To ask, and to pray, and to give. To ask. I think we should ask God to help us become more thankful people. We can ask God to help us punctuate our everyday ordinary getting up, going to school, and work life with expressions of thankfulness. No doubt many of you were just like me. This week, I found myself thanking God for things that I took for granted. A hot shower, a, a, a warm meal served in a in a, a kitchen table, uh, a fireplace, uh, and the ability to sit in front of it and enjoy its warmth, uh, a comfortable bed in which to sleep. Many of you probably were were highly sensitized to being thankful for these gifts that we may otherwise not express thankfulness for, at least as regularly as we should. And you know, quite frankly, every day there are hundreds of reasons which we can pause to say, Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't take much deep introspection to find a list of reasons to be thankful. In every in every situation and every day, we can find something to thank God for. So let me frame it to you this way. Everything we have, our lives, our families, our health, our strength, our soundness of mind, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, the joy of friendships and family that we uh, experience, the money in our checkbooks, the jobs through which we earn a living, the presence of God's favor in our church family and extended families, the ability to hope and to dream and to laugh and to love, the opportunity to grow through disappointment and pain and trial. They're all free gifts from a good God, His gracious hand. And everything that you've worked hard to earn— whether that's good grades or a master's degree or a home or a retirement account or a successful business, healthy family, they're all gifts from God, too. And so there is seldom uh, an opportunity not far from you for which you could offer up a prayer of thanks to God. So ask God to help us become more thankful people. Give thanks upon rising and retiring. That's a very simple way to bookend each of your uh, daily lives. A short, simple prayer of thanks when we arise. I pray for him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Mine goes something like this. As my feet hit the floor, I say, you know, good morning, Lord, as opposed to, you know, good Lord, it's morning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, there is a difference. Good morning, Lord. Uh today's the day that you've made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it because it's a gift from you. And I ask you now to fill me with the Holy Spirit, gives me eyes and ears to hear and see you today. Uh, Give me bread to minister to others in Jesus' name. And then I get up and go to the shower. And you could pray a very simple prayer, something like that. And then before uh, my eyes close in sleep, uh, I practice a, a simple prayer of thanks for the day. Jesus, thank you for this day and the gift that it was. And I pray for a good night's rest. And so in this simple way, we eat a Thanksgiving sandwich every day. You see, we bookend our rising and our, and our going to sleep with a prayer of thanks. Here's another way that you can become a more thankful person, and that's pause to give thanks at every meal. Not because it's a religious ritual, but because it actually has power. The three occasions of breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or as often or as infrequent as you might eat, punctuate the day with givings of thanks, and just use short, non-religious words. It can be something as simple as, thanks, Dad. That's all it has to be. When we bow our heads to pray, or actually, more biblically speaking, you look to heaven with outstretched arms, because that's how Jesus thanked uh, the Father for the fish and the loaves looking up to heaven and raising his hands. So actually, this is a much more biblical posture. But I understand that at Ivani's this afternoon, that might seem a little weird. So it's okay if you bow your heads or close your eyes or don't do anything. Just talk it out loud. There's no religious form that's right or wrong. But when you bow your head or look to heaven with outstretched arms and give thanks. It's a powerful acknowledgement that everything we have comes as a gift from God. And for these particular gifts of food, we give him thanks. And for the hands that prepared it and the financial blessing to receive it. So these mealtime prayers serve to remind us of the goodness of God. A great simple opportunity to pray. And then use some form of objective reminder to prompt thanks to God for his goodness. Now, because Here's how it works for me. I need help learning the language of thankfulness. And so over the last two years, I, I've used what, what I've just called a pebble of praise. It's a, it's a smooth stone and it's, it's earthy. It's, it's God made. And so this is as direct to God as you can possibly get because the stone comes from him. But every time I carry this, this stone with me every day in my front right pocket. And every time I put my hand in my pocket, I'm physically reminded to give thanks to God at that moment for whatever uh, it is that's right in front of me. I, I made these available to our church two years ago on this same weekend, Thanksgiving Day weekend. And today, for those of you who would like one, on your way out, where table where Dave and April are at, right back there, there's a box called Pebbles of Praise. And you could pick one up and use it too. Now, maybe for you it works better, you know, to have one of those hip new bracelets, you know, those elastic ones that are all colored and have things on them. Um, Maybe that works better for you. A rubber band would work fine, too, I suppose. Or or put something on your keychain or, you know, a picture on your smartphone or something on your mirror or your refrigerator or whatever works for you. But physical objects are powerful. That's one reason Jesus gave us communion because it's something real that speaks of our faith in Jesus. So I might encourage you to select something. The object is not sacred, but the God of of uh, uh, of whom it reminds us is sacred and an opportunity to give thanks. So these weeks propel us forward uh, with renewed, humble faith and action. And the first step is to ask God for us to become just a more thankful person. The second way that our faith and action can be expressed is to pray. Prayers make a difference, and the needs all around us, and this week in particular, and the weeks moving forward. Prayers for the well-being of people affected by the storm, the rebuilding of their lives and their homes, the healing of their of the trauma. Grace over the next weeks and months, uh, strength and patience and forbearance and all of the challenges that lie ahead. The rebuilding of a home, of a life, of a community is a long, slow process, and it's going to continue long after the national news coverage is now moving on to the next thing. So pray. There will be lots of opportunities to pray and ask the Holy Spirit how you can more effectively pray. And then the third way our faith and action can be expressed is to give. Give as God directs you. That's the reason there's no one right way. The Holy Spirit's in each of you, and he's directing and guiding you. So donate some money. There are a lot of great organizations. There are a lot of great churches uh, that are already working, and there are individuals in need, individuals who, whom you may have a relational connection with through this church family, and a number of them already have um, set up sites where you could donate directly. Exercise some caution. We give you some instructions and some guidelines on our Facebook page as well, or check Deidre's Facebook page as well. And you can link to hers by going to the Vineyard Church web uh, uh, Facebook page and clicking on the, the link uh, from, from her post there. Donate some money, and then donate some time by volunteering. Again, you can check. Um, there's lots of different ways to serve. A lot of great organizations already serving, boots on the ground, Check the Pure General Star website. A lot of great opportunities over the next weeks and months as our communities rebuild for you to put your faith in action and reach out to someone that you know or you have a relational connection with. Sometimes those are the strongest, uh, ties that bind. So uh, maybe a coworker or a friend or a relative or a classmate that, that is in need, uh, join, uh, with them in a way that they're, uh, that, that's meaningful. So. Ask God to help us become a more uh thankful person is a, a way we can be moving forward with humbled but renewed faith, praying, and then thirdly, giving. Now, I'm going to actually provide us an opportunity to put a few points of this sermon into action right now, right here. So Here's how it's going to work. On the back of the Connect card in the chair pocket in front of you, uh, if you didn't already fill one out, um, and, uh, uh, you may still have one in your program, but... Um, what I'd like you to do is take just a couple of moments right now, and we're going to write down five things for which you can express thankfulness after in the shadow of this week. And then we're going to gather in groups of three or four. I know that this might be a stretch for some of you on Sunday morning. Um, but you just introduce yourself, and then you're actually going to share what your five things are, okay? And then we're going to take one minute, to pray for the the items that are listed on the screen, we're going to pray a, a prayer, a very simple uh, one one sentence prayer. Each person in the group, you're going to just take uh, an opportunity to pray for either God's grace to heal our community, for strength, guidance, and resources for families, and for the optimum rebuilding process, or for capable, skilled volunteers. And I understand for some of you, praying out loud is maybe something you've never done before. Consider this an opportunity among friends and family the first time to actually stretch your faith in that way, okay? So write down your five, and then you're just going to turn around and introduce yourself to somebody right around you, group of three or four, and then you share what your five things that you're thankful for are. When everybody's shared, then you go around the circle and pray a one-sentence prayer each, okay? And then we'll uh, huddle back up and uh, proceed with the offering and worship. Well, thanks for participating. I understand that for some of you, this may have been a little bit of a stretch, but you know, you signed up to be stretched, right? Didn't you sign up to like take steps out of your comfort zone to grow into Christ likeness? And so I commend you. Thank you. And over the next year, Lord willing, we'll, we'll continue to take steps in our time together on Sunday mornings to put our faith and our values into action right here. So thanks for your willingness to be a part. These prayers and your expressions of thankfulness enable us to put legs of faith on our uh, uh, prayers uh, and, and our values right here, right now. So what we're going to do now is move to a, a time of expressing our love to God through both the offering and um, worship. These are simple, objective, concrete ways that we can express our love and devotion to God and our faith or our trust in him. And so uh, when we give money that we've worked hard to earn and that we could use and we give it away, it makes no sense. So it's, it's a concrete way of saying, Lord, we trust you. And then we lift our hearts and hands and in songs in a, in a way of expressing devotion to God as well. So, Lord, we just thank you for uh, this time together as a church family this morning. I pray that you would use these words to, that we've shared to encourage our hearts to love you and, and to be thankful. God, now as we offer our lives to you again through the offering and through these songs, we pray that you'd accept them for what they are, tokens that we love you and we want our life to count for you in your name. Amen.